0: Hello, and thank you for joining us. My name is Molly Carmichael with Zonda's inspirational leadership series, joined by the industry's best in all things real estate. These leaders are literally designing our future for many generations to come with new communities, home designs, technology, retail centers, infrastructure, and so much more. This series is about who they are, how they got started, who inspired them and their journey to the top. So let's get started. Today, we're joined by one of the smartest and without a doubt, most energetic leaders in our industry, Liesl Cooper. Today, Liesl is the national president of Century Communities, and she has a great story. It's truly an American dream story, and it's built on a lot of hard work. Liesl has worked hard for actually many national new home builders before joining Century Communities. It's also not hard to recognize that she's one of the few top female leaders in our industry, and I know that's changing a lot. But I think that's what I love the most about Liesl, is she never let anything but hard work define her. Any challenges or labels she faced along the way, that actually just made her work harder to redefine what she thought the right ingredients for success were. And she's definitely worked hard, and it's certainly paying off her Century communities and her career today. After joining Century Communities in 2014, she helped catapult the company into one of the fastest-growing home builders. The company has since gone public. They're now uh, ranked in the top 10, and they have been for the last five years in a row. That's pretty amazing when you think about it, because Century Communities has really only been around since 2002. Today, they're actually in 18 different states and 45 different markets. So it's a great story. I want you to hear the rest of her story from her. So please join me in welcoming Liesl Cooper. Liesl, welcome and thank you for joining us. Good afternoon, Molly. Thank you for having me. Of course. Well, let's start out with first, tell us what, tell me about your kind of typical day, the kinds of things you're responsible for and uh, what this job entails.
1: Um, I'm the national, I'm the national president that for Century Communities, we have 16 divisions across the country. Um, And so what that entails is everything uh, home building. So I am involved with when we purchase the land all the way until we deliver the home and customer experience after we deliver the home. And um, I have four regions throughout the country. And um, I mean, home building, you know, people say, what's your typical day? My typical day is whatever on fire that day that we have to figure out <laughs> to keep moving forward. Um, oh, it's home yeah. building, right? Anything can happen in home building. But really my typical day is really working with our regional presidents and then working with a lot of our corporate folks with our marketing, with our national operations team, my, my, uh, our land asset committee. Um, and accounting teams, just kind of making sure we're heading in the direction we need to and growing as a company. But really kind of driving the ship. Driving the ship. I mean, I think driving is the biggest thing. Um, I mean, being a driver at, in a leadership role in in home building is what you need to be. And that's really what it is. And really making sure the things that are not working, we figured out how to get them to work. So really, well, tell- it's just driving the whole the whole home building from start to finish.
0: I totally. Tell me what you love most about your job.
1: Every day is different. Every day is different. And um, I mean, listen, I've been in a very long time, as you mentioned, and I just love, um, I love problems. I love problem solving. I love trying to figure out what's not working. How do we get it to work? Um, I love trying to figure out, um, you know, the people piece of it is getting the right people in the right spots. That's another big responsibility of mine is to make sure that we have the right people in the leadership roles across the country. Um, So I love meeting new people. And um, I mean, listen, I love talking about century communities. I think it's a phenomenal company. I've been here nine years and I've been in home building 37 years. So, um, but it's, it's, this company is just um, the leadership we have with Dale and Rob is exactly was meant for me. And I can explain more of that later on, but it just, it's been, it's just been a great home for me because it's just all about home building and all about making sure that we're, building the best homes, delivering the best product to our customers, and then having the best team that we can work with to do it.
0: That sounds good. What's the most difficult in your position?
1: The most difficult is, um, I mean, it's it's the people piece has been really hard. You know, the COVID really changed things up. Um, It's dealing with other people that are not part of our organizations, maybe municipalities who've been super fun to deal with as of the last few years. it's just not being able to get things done in a more timely manner, I think. has been really frustrating. And then just making sure we just the, just getting the right people. People have been the, probably the hardest piece of it, is to get the right people that fit in the culture and the environment. And I really feel like, because I grew up in home building, but I really feel like um, we really missed out when the market really went where it went in 2008. And we lost a generation of home builders. And mm-hmm. that piece of it is really what I think is missing and what is concerning to me for the future. But what it does mean is there's tons of opportunity for people who want to get in home building and who also want a further career. And you can advance your career pretty quickly just because and if you really have the drive and, and the want the want to do it, you really could get in this, this business and really really you know get your career moving pretty quickly because of that reason.
0: That's pretty exciting. Well, yeah. let me ask you this, you're definitely a doer, somebody who gets things, mm-hmm. done. I have known you for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And so, I want to go way back sort of at the the very beginning, maybe when you're younger in your life, uh, pre any kind of home building, I always use the age eight, just as an example. What was Lisa like as you were growing up? Tell me a little bit about, you know, the kinds of things that you love to do and, you know, were you a driver even when you were younger, like all that kind of stuff as you were growing up?
1: Well, when I was eight, um, <laughs> I, remember, I remember exactly one thing when I was eight and I, we, were, we, were in at a, we were in a summer play, it was actually Nantucket, and my mom let me take my bike and drive to the store, to the store on my own when I was eight. And I just remember feeling really empowered because of the fact that I could drive my bike by myself to the store. So um, I kind of remember, that. I do not know why age eight, like that just literally popped in my head when you said that. But I, um, I just remember feeling really empowered that I could do and be independent. And I've always been pretty independent. But I think one of the turning points that I truly loved about maybe my drive or improve my competitiveness, this is eighth grade. So now we're moving to eighth grade. Eighth grade, um, there was a magazine drive. And I remember... Just like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to win this thing. Like, I wanted to win this thing. And I didn't even remember what you won, but I crushed it. Like, I was going to win this thing no matter what. I was super competitive. I, super competitive. I have a picture of myself in eighth grade getting this huge award that basically <laughs> was the winner of the magazine drive. And I was in front of everyone like, I did this. Like, it was so awesome. And so that was like really, I think a turning point for me. Like if you worked really hard, and then you got rewards for it, you know what I'm saying? And so I, I guess I was competitive back then, but I really don't know how I, I started to get it. It just it was. I'm a there's four of us in my family: older sister, older brother, younger sister. on so the middle girl, the middle child. Not that I'm trying to get into psychoanalysis, or you need to get into psychoanalysis with the middle kid. <laughs> But I think I was kind of like, kind of, I'm really laid back at home, but when it came to other things, I really just had that kind of drive. And, um, but it's more about the work drive than it was anything. Did you play
0: sports or anything like that growing
1: up? Gymnastics, um, I wasn't that good at it. I did get most improved one year, that's by the best I got award for gymnastics. So I really wasn't that good at it. Um, But I really didn't, I um, I ended up getting a job when I was, my brother worked at the chart house in San Diego. And I could get a job there as the dishwasher when I was 14 and I loved working and I just loved it. And that was really empowering. It wasn't like I needed to get the money or anything like that and had to make a bunch of money. But I just loved it. And I was like employee of the year twice when I worked there. And it was just I just loved working. And so I was always this way. And so anyone who knows me from my younger years knows who I am. And just, I've been a worker and um, I've always just wanted to excel at working and, and be the best I could working. And so I don't know if it was the the magazine drive or the empowerment of driving my bike on my own that started my independence or what, but, but it really was these things kind of along the way that I, I, uh, I kind of, I think made me who I am or made me who I, I became with the work ethic.
0: It's, it's really, it's really neat to see because it, it looks like really giving you that independence really blossomed into all these other parts of your life. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, tell me about how you got into home building. So you obviously enter the workforce and you're working really hard and you're doing super well and you're you're willing to work hard. So obviously tell us the route and how you got it. Done. Yeah,
1: so the route is kind of an interesting one, kind of. Um, I was in college in between my my, my freshman and sophomore year I went back to California and worked at the chart house and met my a significant other and was in love, went back to school. And I just, school was not for me. It just, it wasn't, you know, I was going to university in Denver. It just wasn't for me. And so I told my mom and dad and they're like, okay, well, if you're not going to go to school, because I was going to try and maybe go to Northridge in LA, because that's where he's from. Long story short, I basically, they were like, you didn't get to school. You haven't done anything with anything. You need to go get a job. So, unfortunately, I'm going to tell you this, but it's going to really date myself. I pulled the newspaper out and to look for a job. And there was an opportunity at Coffin and Broad's Mortgage Company. And it was a, it was a, it was a, um, it was Coffin and Broad at the time. And it was a um, career, it was like a internship type of thing. And it was, um, and Chad Dreyer, who was the president of the mortgage company at the time, which I'm bringing a name back up, lovely man. He um, was in charge of it. And I went to this career night and he hired me. And that's how I started in home building. And so um, it was just an, in, it was a, it was insuring, guarantee, insuring and guarantee FHA, VA loans. And so um, that's where I started. And then I got to know the home builder because then I started working in loans and doing some loan stuff for the home builder, Kaufman and Road home builder. And they just were like, you need to come work for us. And kind of that's where it all started. That's And so. yeah, it's a pretty cool story um, because there's so many people along the way that I've met. But I think the biggest thing about it was where I really believe that it truly helped me with just the mindset was the market started to go down the toilet in the early 90s. And I was this low level person with the home builder. So you had these VPs and you had these low-level people and the middle managers. Well, they just cut all the middle managers out, right? Well, the VPs didn't want to do the work. So I literally did like whatever I could. I just knew I had to do whatever I could to make myself valuable. And so um, so that's that's kind of where I learned so many different things. And they called the KB University for a reason because you got to wear so many different hats and learn so many different things.
0: You know, it's so funny. You said you did as much as you could to, you know, really be successful in so many words. Now, was that a conscious thought for you or was it, you know, just the willingness and the need to kind of fill in the holes
1: or tell me about
0: that a little bit. Was it, was well, it?
1: Well, a- One instant that happened and now I'm going to really date myself again, but <laughs> I was our president, Frank, Frank Scardina was at the fax machine. And it was beeping and buzzing and it was a mess and he couldn't figure it out. I'm like, Frank, get out of the way. And I went to fix it. I went to fix the fax machine. I heard Frank over, over, I overheard Frank tell somebody if Liesl wasn't here, this place would shut down. And I'm like, ah, I get it. And what it told me was, is that you constantly you always have to constantly show your value. You can't just like show your value, do a really great job at one thing and then think you can skate. You constantly have to show your value. Remember, people were losing their jobs around them. Right. It was, it was a rough time. And so that really was a turning point for me was like, I always have to show my value and a little bit paranoia um, sometimes with myself, like, you know, oh, I'm going to lose my job, you know. And I think I've had that for my whole career, Um, and which can be great. And it also can be a little bit of judgment at certain points, but that's really what it was a turning point for me. Like I have to show my value constantly and have people always say we can't do this without her.
0: Well, absolutely. And I, I think if you're working hard, one of the things that I've noticed about you is you don't wait to be asked. Right. And you're just going to jump in and help and you're going to do whatever it takes to get it done. And that's another really big thing that I think so often you know working with a lot of different people it's like well you didn't ask for that and it's like well if you see an area where you can excel or you can make a difference or make it better you have to go there and so that is
1: that is molly you couldn't say anything that, that was like the best advice i would give anyone entering any career that they want to do is exactly that don't wait to ask and it can be we used to say after forgiveness not permission i mean It was I mean that's really how it was in in, in those days. It's like you just and you know, and they gave you rope, and we used to say you take the rope and either run with it or you're gonna hang yourself with it. Like you you have to make it happen. You know what I'm saying? You have to like go and make it happen. And that's how baby was in those days. And and it really taught me so much and really, really molded who I was and with so many great people. I mean, I'm in a fancy football league with all of these people still. From the 1990s and it's there's a reason why and it was a tough company we used to call it dog years at kb when you worked there one year it was dog years but it was so they had such phenomenal people and it just it was there was there was a reason why because they expected you to be phenomenal well
0: tell yeah. outside of home building as you were growing yeah. up dude did you have any other interests or
1: you know um i'm such a worker that <laughs> I really, I, I didn't I mean I really I mean the truth is is that you know my first marriage um I got more passion from home building than him I mean I'm probably saying too much but he, any great guy but like just not a good fit it wasn't a good fit because I really wanted to work and I really because I worked when I was so much younger and the independence and and like no like if I want to buy that dress I'm gonna buy that dress if I want to buy those shoes like I wanted to make sure that I was in control of me. And so it just didn't work. We're still great friends, never had kids or whatever. So it didn't didn't work out. But then what happened was I'm single and here I go working even harder. So so that was kind of hard, but it also grew me to be, you know, be able to be a really I mean, got the opportunity to be division president when I was 33 years old, a woman in this industry, no college degree. Like I don't think you Yeah. I mean, it was, it was amazing. I mean, and it was, it it was a lot of hard work, but in the end it was, it was amazing. And I feel really, really thankful for it because of, you know, just kind of where I what kind of where it spurred me to, to be the, who I am, but, but also just to continue to be able to do it and get the opportunity.
0: As you look back at that, I mean, that's a pretty compelling result from everything that you've gone through and when you look at that, what would you say are the top three qualities, the top three reasons you really hit? I mean, female or not, college degree or not, well, anything, but like even at 33 to become a division president, I mean, that's pretty remarkable, right? So what do you think are the the top ingredients for that? And, and I'm going to start with number one, clearly, you know, hard work. I mean, you worked your butt off, right? Yeah. And that was clearly yeah. evident and they, and they rewarded that.
1: What else? Definitely, work ethic is number one, especially home building. Like everyone, you know, we're we're open seven days a week, except right. for like a few days a year where we, we're closed. Sales jobs are seven days a week, sure. And my background was sales and marketing, so it was it was it was a seven day a week job. I think the other thing is is that you you said it earlier It's like I just never said no, or I never said that's not my job, that's not what you know. I never said no. I just said yes, or I took things on. I mean, I got, I got a wide variety because people want like, okay, well, what program can you put me in to be a DP? There is no program. But what I did do was like, Hey, go talk to the land guy once in a while, go talk to the finance guy, tell him to explain the financial to you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the biggest thing for me is to understand, you know, I mean, I, I became a DP and my Husband now was my boyfriend, and he worked at Richmond because that's the only way I could find anyone. <laughs> I was <laughs> working all the time. So he lived in Northern California. He would fly into Vegas right when I got the job, and he was purchasing operations. So he taught me what a header was to a footer, right? Like I didn't know what a header to a footer was. Like he taught me purchasing. He taught me off. So you just have to be a sponge for everything, and then you also can't be afraid to say, "I don't know," "I don't understand." And even, you know, so I mean, even land, I've been here nine years. And I thought I knew a ton about land before I came here. And I operations is really my background. But what I've learned, you know, the first four or five years with Dale and Rob, and the land piece of it, and just like now I'm the one questioning certain things like, you know, what about the easement? Or what about this? Or how could this happen? And, And I really... I mean, my point is, it's like, I got here nine years ago. Okay. I was like 48, 49. So like, you're still constantly learning and you Mm -hmm. still need to constantly learn every day. So, but the biggest thing really is, is to have the drive also and just not, you know, you just can't, you you have to have that drive, that work ethic, and you just have to be willing to constantly learn and understand. That's, those are the biggest things. Well, if you were to pick an alternative career, do you have one? You know what? That's, That's a great question. You know what I think I would love? I would love to be like an agent. Like give me Ari entourage all day long, right? You know, oh, Ari and totally Entourage. See you doing that. Not see that. I'd be like totally wheeling and dealing. And like to me, an agent and just because everyone thinks I want to be the center of attention. There could be nothing farther from the truth. I, I want to be the center of attention when I want to be the center of attention. Like you can't sing <laughs> happy birthday at a restaurant to me or a surprise party on your toast. But when I want to be the center of attention, that's what it's all about. But I think I would be an amazing agent, like amazing. I do like, too. I would love it. And I would, I love the wheeling and dealing and everything. Else. So that's the only other career I could think about that, like, I missed out on, you know. Oh, Liesl,
0: I think you have another career. Like that's, a, <laughs> I think you'd be fantastic at that. What about, uh, so let's talk a little bit about sensory communities. Tell me what makes Century different. If you were to describe what the strategy is for Century communities, describe that and and what are kind of the key elements that makes it a better place to work for you?
1: So I think for me, um, one of the greatest things is, so, you know, Dale and Robert are co-CEOs and I report to both of them and people always ask, well, how is that? And then it's it's great. I got to tell you, it's, it's wonderful. And they, um, I've never seen a partnership like theirs. It's amazing to see and be a part of, but the best, best, best thing is um, I get to be lethal. They've embraced lethal and I can be the authentic lethal. And that means more to me than anything. Um, And if people know me and you know me very well, you know, I'm kind of out there, little ADD, little, I'm loud. I'm super loud. Um, but they, you know, and I remember early on one time it was like, I was, you know, I was, there was an issue or something and I was probably being a little more emotional than I should be. And I remember saying them to, you know, I said, you know what, you love 80 to 90% of the Lisa when she's emotional and she's driving and she's doing this and pushing and pushing. And I said, sometimes you're gonna get the 10 to 20% Lisa. So that's not so fun. Cause that emotion maybe is not the best emotion. And they're like, we totally get it. And like, never again, do we talk about my emotions? And it's just like, I mean, it's, it's, I just get to be authentic lethal and it's just, I get to be, a, I'm, I'm so much better because I'm not, I'm just, I'm worried about getting the job done and not worried about anything, but getting the job done.
0: Like how they're and what they're going to think about that. Right.
1: Exactly. They've been super supported, and it's, it's, it's just, it's nice that you can, when you can be your authentic self there's just nothing better. There's just nothing better. It just lifts everything else off and you can just do such a better job as a human. And that's really what I feel like at Century.
0: You know what? I love that, Liesl. I, I think that's probably one of the best takeaways I've had for all these interviews is let your people be their authentic selves. And we live in this world that when you're your authentic self, there's so many criticisms criticisms out there that people get to say like, oh, you know, she did this wrong, or she did that wrong, or, you know, I was offended by X, Y, or Z. You know, how do you stay your authentic self, but then stay, you know, kind of walking down that path where you're making everybody happy? I mean, do you worry about that ever? Or how do you deal with that?
1: Oh my gosh, I mean, Molly, I mean, because I respect Dale and Rob so much, I literally want to make sure that they're proud of what we're doing as a company and what I'm doing. And so I worry about it every day. And I want to make sure, I mean, I'm just a paranoid human. And it's like I said, there's good things and bad things with it. But I think there's more good than bad. I think it's got me where I am in a lot of ways. And I think sometimes I wish more people were a little more paranoid, if that makes sense.
0: Well, and, and passionate, so, right? Like, yes, I, I, yes. I really wish people would just be their authentic self and, you know, just be honest. Right. Correct, That's right.
1: We'd all That's so exactly right. And in, And if my authentic self means it doesn't work for an organization, Then that's okay too, because sometimes there's mixed, there's like you don't match up with certain companies. And so when I'm interviewing people, I'm really open about kind of who we are as a company. It's funny, and you know, just culturally, it's funny. People like, well, what's your culture like? And what I love to say about Century is, we don't have to talk about our culture. We have a great culture because we don't talk about it. We just kind of live it, and we don't, we don't try to say something we are or aren't. I mean, Dale and Rob want to be a first class organization and they're growing a company that's a first class organization. And we want to be best in class in everything that we do. And that's what we strive for every day. And then we want people to work towards that. And then we want to take care of them as as they, as they we should. And that's really as simple as I can say it in a nutshell. And so we're not so worried about, we're just worried about just kind of doing the right thing every day, all the time. And you know, we,
0: do you but, guys at Century Homes? I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, yeah. No, do you guys,
1: you're
0: good. At Century Homes, though, do you guys like? I don't want to ask your core values because that to me sounds kind of corny. Yeah. Like, what are the things that at Century Homes like we're about? This like these are the things that are just sort of our. I'm gonna call it your high bar.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing is the thing that I really um. I mean, we're always listen. The customers like always important. They're they're why we're here. They're why we do what we need to do. So customers like number one. And that's, you know, we always have to take care of the customer. That's really important for us. But I think the other thing is, is that, you know, the team members are really important also, and they're all striving for the same goals. And Dale and Rob have done some things in the past that have really proven that they care about the team and what we want to do and and how we want to get there. But I think the thing that I love the most, I mean, it's opportunity. They love opportunity. I mean, we were the fastest growing company for so many years in a row because they looked at opportunities and did it. And they really, you know, when I first started here, we were in, in 2014, we had just, we're just going public. We were only in a handful of communities. I mean, excuse me, a handful of, of uh, markets. And and I'm like, okay, so where do we want to go to? Like, I'm part of the company now, where are we going to? And they're like, I think we want to really go west. And like a month later, they came to me and they go, what do you know about Atlanta? And I love that story because You know, when you're small also, like we have our core values and things, but we also are about opportunity. And I think when you're small and you need to grow, you've got to look at opportunity. And that's one thing that I love about them is that the opportunity was there. We bought Peachtree Communities, it helped us grow as a company, integrated them in, and it's just been amazing. And so I think that's one thing that's one of the things that we love is opportunity. And so like, we do have things that we're we're geared towards and where we want to go. But I think that's something that kind of grew us as a company. I think as we get bigger, we're a little bit more, you know, streamlined with everything that we do and, you know, operations and land and all that other stuff. But I think that's one thing that really was something for us as as we grew the organization. Well,
0: tell me this, big turning points in your career, big turning points that actually led you to where you're at today before you became president at age 33. Like what were those big turning points uh, for you? Um.
1: Well, first of all, I think, Working for Bruce Carrots, who was the CEO at Kauffman Abroad at the time I was there. Um, he was, we were only in California, if you can believe it. We were only in California when I started there. For the first seven years of my career, we were oh, only wow. in California. Is that crazy? That he is was crazy. Only in California, I know. And one thing, and so obviously I didn't get, I got some face time with Bruce, but like when he'd come to our communities and everything else, The one thing that really was turning point for me was when Bruce would ask a question and you would say, no, that can't happen. He'd be like, well, why? Like he never would accept no as an answer. And that to me was really something that I just has ingrained in me that it's like you cannot take no for it. And D.L. and Rob are very similar. So maybe that's why I kind of feel at home. Because, like, you just don't take no for an answer. It's like, you know, municipalities and everything. Like, you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And so that was something that was, to me, a little bit of turning point of just understanding of what home building was all about. Like, you just never took no for an answer. And there's there's so much grayer in home building that that's why you don't. Another turning point was um, when I was at KB and I wanted to be a VP of sales or not a VP of sales, but to be a sales manager. And I never sold a house. I just never wanted to sell a house. Even though I probably could sell a house. I just never wanted to sell a house. It's funny. I, I say I don't want, didn't want to work the weekends. And that's the dumbest thing I've ever said because i worked worked weekends, right? <laughs> and our COO at the time at KB was like, you need to be a sale. You need to sell, you know, before you go be a sales manager. You just have to. You have to know their job or whatever. And I'm just like, I just really don't want to do that. And I am quitting KB. And I gave him examples of other really successful sales managers that never sold a home, still didn't go anywhere. Well, Bruce got wind that I quit. Long story short, gave me the opportunity to go work with a DP that had sales background and I had to move to Vegas. It was Jay Moss at KB. And that's really where it was like, first of all, the turning point was like, you know what? Remember the point where I said, you know, you don't take no for an answer. Well, I wasn't taking no for an answer that I couldn't be a sales manager. And I pushed it. Now, one thing it worked out for me, and I was able to go and get an opportunity um, with, with Jay. But the other thing was, you've got to have enough confidence, not cocky. I don't like arrogance or cocky, but enough confidence when you're ready to take something on. Sure. And this has happened a couple times in my career where my bosses would kind of stay involved. And Jay did. At the time, he was staying involved with the sales team. And I walked in one day, and I'm like, listen, either you're in charge of sales or I'm in charge of sales. But, like, we're both not in charge of sales. So, like, either you stay out or you, or, or you stay in, but, like, I'm not going to be here if you want to constantly let the salespeople call you. So, I kind of took the line. Remember, I'm, like, 26-year-old, 27-year-old, like, drawing a <laughs> line to the stand saying, no, nah, i no more. And maybe I was older. I was, like, 28. And he's, like, okay. And he would literally go to the sales offices and be, like, I'm not here to talk to you. You need to talk to Liesl. I'm not going to talk to you. I just came by to see the sales. Like, So, he, I literally got him. To where i needed to be where i was in charge and i took control and so that i think is something that's really important at a certain point your bosses want you to take control they want you to be that person and to be in charge and um i've done it a couple of times since then and knock on wood it's always worked for me but i think that's the biggest thing that was some turning points it's like when i called it out and i was able to take it but you have to have the goods to do it. You can't say, I want this, and then not do it. You have to take it, and then there's the paranoia. I want to win. You better be able to take it to a better level than this person being involved.
0: Right. And you have to have uh, really not only the confidence, but the know-how to do it. And they have to trust that you can do it because they That's won't right. let go unless you have what it takes to do That's it. Right. So you clearly proved it after that.
1: And Yeah. And, and you also have to say, well, um, when I don't know something. And you have to say that yeah. to them. Listen, I will come to you if I don't feel comfortable. But like, I've got to go do this in order for me to grow, in order for the company to grow. Let me go do this. But you have to also have the the ego to go back and go, you know what? I'm not sure about this. Like, what do you think? You know what I'm saying? I do it still today with Dale and Rob because they're very, they're brilliant. And so there are times I'm like, I need them in the boat with me on certain stuff. I mean, of course they, they guide me on so much stuff, but there are times when I'm like, I want to make this decision. I want guidance. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. So right. now, I mean, you just, it just works out better for the organization when everyone's just kind of clear of what you want and what you understand or don't understand. I
0: totally agree. So you, you went from mortgage, to sales. And so yeah. you were a sales manager. And then tell me about your career from there, how you kind so of- So I got,
1: so, so I became VP of sales and marketing, which I thought was like the ultimate dream. I never thought I'd have anything different. End up moving. It was, KB was changing at the time. They had, they had bought Rayco. They were changing to build to or order, like totally changing, super different than ask for forgiveness, not permission. It was more like, here's the playbook. This is where we're going. And I was just like, you know what, maybe it's time for me to make a move. Ended up going to Richmond, to their national VP of sales and marketing, moved to Denver, I was single at the time. And um, within a year and a half, I mean, you know, David Mandrich. I mean, honestly, Carol Meisel was another big influencer. She's the CEO of Larry Meisel. And she was like, you know, you need to come here. Like, she was really important to my career in a lot of ways. Like, you know, you have to have those people, honestly, Molly, that see something in you that you don't see. And literally, I think Bruce Carrots was one of those. I think Carol Meisel was huge, huge, huge for my career and really um, loved my energy and, and everything that I did. And then David Mandrich, like I was there a year and a half. And he's like, we had an opening in Vegas. I had lived in Vegas for two years. And he's like, what do you think about doing this? 33 years old. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like nervous. But I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do this best airline trip ever was flying out with him to introduce me and he's like hey lisa do you know anything about accounting and i'm like huh i'm like you know what the credits have to be higher than the debits." and he's like you're in you got this (laughs) so it's a funny story but it's kind of a true story and um but it's you know it's and that was a lot of hard work but it was great because my husband who was my not he was just my boyfriend at the time lived in northern california i worked Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9, 10 p.m. Each client Saturday we drive sites. Like I gave it everything, and um it was great. And so that's kind of how I started. To that's how I became a DP and feel just really fortunate I got the opportunity. My first quarter was like you know, my first couple months were lousy with the company with Richmond, and we were not making money in Vegas. And then finally March hit, and we made money. And I I, w- I was on cloud nine, and I mean I was counting porta potties. I did everything possible. And I had someone who really taught me finance, like, the, like everything. I signed every check. I did everything to know how to run a P&L for a division and a company. And I didn't let other people do it for me. I did it all on my own. And the other great thing that happened was my land guy quit. And so I literally told the receptionist, I'm like, anyone who calls who's selling land, put them through to me, like, find me. And I would just start talking to land sellers and that's I mean you just you just happen to say kind of yes to everything. You just have to say you say you don't take no for an answer and you say yes to everything on trying to figure out how to do things, especially things that are not your background.
0: I love that. I love that. And and even from there, so accelerate your career even further. So you're division of president in Las Vegas and then where do you go?
1: So, after Las Vegas, but then I moved around a lot with Richmond. I ended up moving to corporate for a little while, being a regional I became a so after about four years or so, I became a regional president and I moved to Southern Cal, moved to Newport Beach for a period of time and did the West Coast for them. And then I moved and became their national president in um in Denver. And then it was like two thousand and seven. And I gotta tell you this is this is something that I think everyone can understand. It was, it was tough times, which I have no problem with and loved it. But I went, um, I remember Friday afternoon, I told David, I'm going to go pick up my daughter from school because like, there was just, it was, it was a lot going on and I was traveling a ton, like every week I was traveling and I went to go pick her up at school and I get there and they're like, um, Mrs. Cooper, like, could we see your ID? Because I had never picked my daughter up from school. And I'm like, (laughs) What? Like, okay, his wander blue eye, looks like me, just a little bit miniature. She was like right. five at the time, four, four at the time. She was four, four at the time. And that really kind of struck a chord with me mm-hmm. and where I was like, I think something needs to change here. And so had a really hard time, like took six months to really think about it. And then just decided I'd need to take a step back, ended up talking to Steve Hilton, had talked to him a little bit. And and my husband loves the heat, but I never wanted to move back to Vegas, didn't want to raise my daughter there, and ended up moving to Arizona, worked for Meritage for a little bit. Um, then what kind of thought I wanted to go out on my own, and someone, a um, banker, came to me and said, you should really try and go on your own. And um, so I did. Unfortunately, you know, know that. Yeah. So unfortunately, this is early 2008. And unfortunately, timing, as they say, is everything. And you know we're trying to. I mean, I I went to Wall Street, pitched the company. Um, and that would have been what, such a great time. It was. I know. Well, if it was after two thousand eight, two thousand nine would have been better. So that's where yeah. I faltered. Right. And so I. Are. Um. I mean, listen. It's it's just yeah. It was it was it was bad timing. Sure the Lehman fell apart. Everything and no one was doing anything at that time. So then I'm like, okay, what am I going to do now? So I did what any you know I'm going to do something. My husband's a general contractor. I did 65 fix and flips in nine months in Arizona. I was on the courthouse steps. Wow. Flip flops, shorts. Never thought I would do this. Got to read in my daughter's kindergarten class. Like it was a period of time. Like I thought I'd never go back to public home building. And it was fun until, you know, all the big conglomerates came in, were bidding things up, and we wanted to fix and flip. We, we didn't want to hold. And I'm probably telling you way too much, Molly. But the bottom line is, it was a really great time. I was an entrepreneur. I bought a couple of defunct subdivisions in Phoenix, like 30 lots that were defunct and had houses that started to build on it, bought them from banks. So just did a lot of different things like that in Phoenix. And then I went to a Builder 100 in Chicago in, I'll remember, it's exactly June of 2010. I ran into Jeff Metzger, KB CEO, and he's like, "Lisa, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to be a private builder in Phoenix. And he's like, how's it going for you? I go, mm-hmm. and he had an opportunity in Arizona. I went back to KB for a couple of years, um, loved it. It was great. They, they moved me to, I ended up taking over Vegas and then they moved me to Colorado. So I was the regional president for New Mexico, Vegas, Arizona and then Colorado. The hard part was coming back to Colorado and then Richmond being like, wait a minute, you're back in Colorado. Like, why aren't you working for us? So I went back to Richmond. Here I am, like, you know, these buildings. Wow. Like remember, Richmond KB, 21 years total. The two of them, my first two that's fantastic. Two companies, which is very rare. Ended up going back there, had a great couple of years there, you know, working nationally again. And then it was just kind of time to move on. Sometimes like going back, it's it's just different. And love the company, love everyone, both KB and Richmond. And then I was like, okay, what's really my next step? What do I really want to do? And frankly, Molly, best job in the whole industry to me is being a DP. Not a regional, I agree. Not, not a national. I, like I, I mean, regional and national are, are money, money quarterbacks, right? But when right. you're a DP, you can affect everything going on with your business. And so I was like, uh, I heard there was an opening at Santa Pacific. So I'm like, I'm calling Santa Pacific. Like, I'm going to see if they have an opportunity there. They had just filled the role. All this is all before the mergers and everything else. And then someone's like, well, what about Century Communities? And I'm like, I am I like, knew I'd heard about the brothers being, this, you know, at this company and and Century Communities because we were in, they were in Denver. And I'm like, maybe. And so I went and met with them and I really hit it off with them. I mean, I got to tell you, I met with on a Monday, and had I not had another interview on a Thursday, that I had an offer by Friday, and I've never been happier. Like never been happier. It's been a phenomenal run. Really phenomenal. phenomenal. We know when
0: you really think about our business, there's no bigger way to make a difference than the actual building of the home, right? And so to really create that and know that that's going to be there for hundreds of years after you i mean what what bigger place to make a difference and then as a division president just having that team around you and then watching inspiring and frankly helping them to grow into their careers another just huge place that you can make a difference i mean
1: what what and to add to that what's even better about that is like so when i go because i was a dp in vegas dp in phoenix Southern Cal, I was the regional at the time, but I was really involved. But what's even better is that driving around this country and being a part of homes that I built and have memories, like yes. I can tell you about the memory in 1994 in Vegas that we held for $89,900 in Green Valley Ranch, like the memories of the people I worked with there and how the landscaper almost got in a fight with, like, just to fight with the freaking guy building the walls because they were on top of each other. But there's memories. And you look at these houses and people get annoyed sometimes. Like, like we built those houses. I built these houses. and But they're just memories. And it floods back of all the people you have worked with, which is the best, best, best part about this industry. It's just the best. It and is so best. that to me is even what's better about it is because you can drive around and remember these different communities that you have all these great memories with.
0: Oh, totally. But the, the other thing that I do, and this is just part of my DNA is when you drive some of them, I also will sometimes cringe like, oh, I should have
1: got that. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. I'm like, did we put a belly band bit. on that one? Or why did we put a belly band? I'm like, <laughs> the colors are those recolor. you know, it's like, it's so, it's so true. Anaheim Hills last Thursday, go drove to Anaheim Hills and like, these are all KB homes, And I'm like, <laughs> look pretty darn good and they're from the early 90s and i'm like wow and they're probably still for a million bucks or whatever (laughs) yeah that is really cool well as as
0: we're wrapping up tell me a little bit about kind of the we we talked a lot about sort of the steps you've had in your life and of course even from century sounds like every person you work for really saw so much potential in you and continues to grow you and what a great opportunity tell me about the leaders in your life and and You know, if you were to pick like the top two or three or whatever, and what their qualities are and what's important to you, what makes, you know, the leaders you're working for today different and,
1: and unique for you? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, listen, I think all of them, all the leaders that I've worked with have been really very, like, they just saw so much in me and they gave me the opportunities, um, one, because I always took them or I took them without asking and did them. And that's kind of where kind of where it, it shook out. But I would say really, um, it's just letting me be me. I think I talked about it. It's really about the fact that I'm not the most polished human. I mean, I know people, I don't know if you've heard this, but people have said that I you know, sometimes wear a little bit. Um, which, you know, I try to be good about not swearing and, and everything else, but, but you have a me,
0: favorite just, swear word?
1: <laughs> oh my of course. It's like starts with an F ends with an anyways. <laughs> so, um, but, it, but I do, but I mean, as long as I'm not swearing at people, which I don't, my HR person has said to me, now, Liesl, swearing is not a, against anything, you know? Um, and I, don't. I mean, I love it when HR is on my side, you know, it's like, um, but it's, it's, it's just really about like. I think the respect is the biggest thing and respecting who I am. And I sometimes need to learn that a lot, too, just with people who work for me, like respecting who they are and what they bring to the table, because everyone's been very respectful of who I am and kind of let me be who I am. And that to me is just super important. But you have to earn that. You can't just expect it. You I love have that. to really, really earn to be your authentic self, I think. And and that to me, I think is the most important thing, and I think it goes a little bit with certain folks about just like people just, you know, thinking they deserve certain things like to me, I never thought I deserved anything. I mean, not graduating college is probably one of the biggest thing that chased me, because when I started this position at the mortgage company at KB, the woman who had the same job as me was a graduate of UCLA. And I was not a graduate. I had two years kind of of school. They didn't pull the transcripts. Thank goodness. And so <laughs> it was like very, it was It was just like, I knew I had to be that much part of her worker because she had that. Now, everyone says, oh, college, this, college, that, whatever. I think it's more and more prominent. You know, I, of course, you, you was telling my daughter she really needs to go because I think one, the experience is the number one thing. And two, you get a lot of good connections that way. But honestly, I think, You have to, you have to, if you really want it, you can't just expect it. And I never, ever, ever expected it. And there's times when like, I'm a little naive where I should have maybe expected certain things. And there's things that maybe I should have, you know, people be like, you know, well, I mean, and you know, the woman card and everything else. Listen, I never felt, I felt in some ways being a woman was disarming to men in some ways and being in a room full of men because, you know, men, you know, have egos and, you know, men maybe want to, you know, have egos with each other, whatever. But with me, I don't think they, they may have felt it until they felt it. You know, what I'm talking about Molly yeah. until I showed them until I proved to yeah. them, yeah. maybe why I should be a threat. Not that anyone should be a threat. But you get what I'm
0: saying. Right. Totally. Absolutely. Well, do you, do you have, you know, or is it kind of all the people that you were for? Or do you have any sort of specific leaders that sort of pop out as like?
1: Well, I mean, listen, I told like Bruce Carrots, number one was really about like the drive and never taking no. Carol Miles was about like, you just because you're a woman doesn't mean you should deserve a seat at the table and push me to be more confident in that way. David Mandridge, who literally knew me a, a year and a half and was like, you could go be a division president. So that was huge that he gave me that opportunity and, and I shine there. And frankly, Dale and Rob have been with them. It's just I've, I even feel like I said in the land department, I think learned so much just being exposed to so much more. And they they really, I listen, I, I, I say it. I've never been happier in a position in, in my career. And so I think that's that to me is just says a lot, you know what I mean? I mean, I go to work with a skip in my step every day, like, you know, there's nothing that can come at me that I can't figure out or they can't we can't all get figured out. Like it's such a team environment. And there's just like the egos aren't there. Like it's, there's no people with agendas. There's no toxic, like there's just, it's a good camar- camaraderie and everyone respects each other. And it's just because of how they want their company run.
0: That's awesome. So, and you, and you know, it's really awesome. interesting. There's two things. You know, you're doing a good job if you're loving your job. It's It yeah. goes two ways, right? But the other part of it too is, you know that they respect you and you respect them when that sort of, you know, it's just, you know, it's kind of harmony. I'm mean, gonna hate to be corny about it, but it really is. Yeah.
1: Well, totally agree. This,
0: this has been great. When I, I just have one more question for you, and we might weave this into this interview, but um what qualities are you looking for in your leaders?
1: When you hire I think, you know, when I interview and hire, I think um I love people who are competitive.
0: I right. really love
1: people who are competitive. Totally. Because it means they want to win all the be. time. You have to be competitive. And yeah. you just when you want to win all the time like that to me is just a really great yeah. quality. You have to be a great communicator like in this business and it's not about like covering covering yourself with emails, covering your ass with emails. I don't know if I can say that but covering your ass yeah. with emails. It's all about just communication. And really communicating with your team and everyone understanding. You know, it's funny when people also talk about like culture and stuff. I always tell people like each individual division kind of has different cultures because they're what the leader is local. Even though we can influence at the corporate office, it's really what the local local leader is. And so to me, it's it's definitely competitiveness. It's definitely communication. And it's definitely a drive. You have to be a driver in this business. You can't just go in and be like, okay, so the city doesn't care about us. They're not going to give us permits. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow. Like we have to drive and say, why not? What can we do? When do we submit? Who can we go to? Like it has to, you have to drive in this business. You've got to be a driver.
0: Do you find that you hire leaders more like you or does that, does that influence? I mean, do you, you know what I mean by that? Yeah,
1: no, it's, it's, it's interesting. My bestest, bestest friends in the company are the finance people who like you know, literally you know, are just like flatliners. <laughs> you know, they're like literally, they're just, but they're my. Be- I mean, it's crazy. The finance folks, I really end up being really close with, and they're opposite of me. Right. And so, but when it, when I look for leaders, I don't, I don't know if I say they have to be like me, but they just have that. Some of the when they're leaders, like for divisions, president or sales and marketing, like each kind of role is a little bit different than the other, right? Land guy is going to be a little bit different than maybe a land development guy or whatever. So it kind of depends on the role. Um, but I do, you know, I do think that the three things that I talk about competitive um and uh driver and communication are, are things that I think in any of those roles. Of those but I don't know if I try to do exactly, you know, like me. Interesting. Um
0: and I think you need that balance, right? It's like a good relationship. Yeah. You know, you you at least for me anyways, I, I don't want to marry someone like me. I really almost need the opposite. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I tell everybody, I don't know.
1: I don't, I would not marry me personally. I would <laughs> not marry me. So I totally get it. Each I'm each like, yeah, I, wanted, I would never marry me like no way. So I totally get that and agree. I think opposites. And I think that's what you need. You need a bunch of different people doing a bunch of different things because that's how it makes it a one full round circle. I love it. Well,
0: I learned a ton from you today. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to give you some quick ones. Um, I, I love if you really want it, you can't expect it. You really have to work hard for it. So be a driver and, and never set expectations too low. I mean, you your goal was this position and then that position, and there was never a bar, and you just kept reaching for what was right. Always say yes and be passionate about it don't really sort of take it, you know, you know, someone will get that. Whatever. Yeah. just have passion in everything you do, reach out, ask questions. I love this one. Don't be afraid to say, you don't know. That's the only way you're going to learn. And my favorite thing you said in this entire interview, my absolute favorite is, you know, be your authentic self. Because if you're not, you're not going to love that job the way that you love your job and the fact that you are who you are and, you know, the people that you've worked with have embraced that and they love it. And look, you're like conquering in the world and home building. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's impressive. Wow, I do conquering. Them. I'm trying to. I'm trying. <laughs> oh, thank you, Molly. I love this business. And it's funny because, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of an emotional person and 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 people are like, it's passion, Lisa's passion. So now that's my thing. It's passion. It's not emotions. But it's it's the best industry ever. And uh, I love it. I love it. I love it.
0: It is. Uh, and we're both fortunate to be here. So yep, we well, sure are. thank you again. And uh, that's it. Thank you again for joining us. This is Molly Carmichael. And I hope you enjoyed this series. Please hit like if you like today's broadcast and subscribe if you'd like to hear more from the best and the brightest in our industry. Take care, everyone. And I hope you join us again next time.